This episode was originally a Patreon-exclusive episode that was released on March 24th, 2022. Now, if you like this episode, we have over 145 Patreon-exclusive episodes that you get access to for just $5 a month. So check that out if you want to. No pressure. Also, one last thing. Since this was a Patreon-exclusive episode, it's not censored. There is some cursing, so keep that in mind. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. See you next week. So something I want to say before this episode begins is that we are independent researchers. We search for the truth and give it to our listeners regardless of where that truth leads us, even if that truth is hard to accept. We don't follow any narrative or take any money from any country to push any certain topic. The only thing we push is the truth, and I want to make that clear before this episode starts so that we are all on the same understanding. So with that being said, roll that beautiful music. Theories of the third kind. Welcome. First off, I want to say thank you to whomever you are listening for opening your minds to receive extra knowledge nuggets each week. It means a lot to all of us, and I want you to know that. Also, before we start, since you, whomever you are, are a Patreon subscriber, remember that you get priority in topic suggestions. So feel free to shoot those suggestions on over to us, either by email, Instagram, Facebook, or you can uh, shoot us a message on Twitter now. We ended up all getting a Twitter. Sadly. Yeah, sadly. I was forced to be here, okay? And <laughs> or you can uh, write us a letter the old-fashioned way and send it to our P.O. Box. Yeah. All right. So today's episode is over the Ukrainian biolabs. So how this episode will go today is that we'll talk about what is a biolab, the different types of levels, and then we'll talk about the biolabs in Ukraine, as well as the facts and findings that we stumbled across, and then into theories, and then of course wrap it all up with our own personal thoughts and theories. So with that being said, Let's get into today's episode. I am sure you have heard it on the news. Russia making claims that the United States has biological labs across Ukraine, where they are secretly developing biological weapons. Many of these news sites claim that this is one of Russia's disinformation campaigns, that this is just a conspiracy theory, and it is being spread throughout the United States by individuals who are now being called domestic extremists. However, what if we told you that we uncovered documents that actually show that in 2014, the United States signed an agreement with Ukraine to help run these biolabs. Also, 
Why only a few days after Russia invaded Ukraine did the U.S. Embassy government website in Ukraine delete all documents on their website about the Pentagon-funded bio-laboratories in Ukraine? This is the Ukraine Biolabs. Now, before we dive deep into this topic and our research and all of the documents that we came across and all that good stuff and spill the beans and everything, let's first get an understanding of what we're talking about. So, Dan, can you tell us what are biolabs? Of course. Well, first off, biolabs is just a moniker. You know, it's pretty much just an easier way to say biological research laboratories or facilities which is a very somewhat generic term to use. Now, many places can be called biolabs, from a high school chemistry room to a high containment biosafety level 4 research laboratory that could possibly be researching bioweapons. Side note, we will explain a little more about what a biosafety lab level 4 is, you know, here in a bit. But anyway, continuing on. Alright, so you are probably thinking, well, if a high school chemistry room can be a biolab. What is all the fuss about them in the news then? Well, the type of biolab that you're probably hearing about are the viral biological laboratories. So these are institutions that are engaged in the study of viruses and diseases or the production of viral drugs, you know, like vaccines, uh, anti-serums, you know, that kind of stuff. And they are designed for the biological research of microorganisms to detect pathogenic microorganisms, dangerous diseases, and a whole bunch of other things. Yeah, the list is pretty big. But not all the biolabs are rated the same, though. Each one of these labs have a certain BSL, which is, you know, biosafety level. Now, there are a total of four different biosafety levels, which each level has a certain different guideline that ensures the safety of not only the lab workers, but also all of us outside of these labs from these dangerous diseases leaking out and infecting us. All right, so let's dive a little deeper into each one of these different levels of the labs. So the first one that we're going to start with is the biosafety level one. Now this BSL1 for short has a lab that contains biological agents that pose a low risk of infection to healthy individuals, animals, and the environment. So the safety rules for this BSL-1, eh, they're pretty laid back. The work in this type of lab can be done on a regular lab table and is easily cleaned by using chemical disinfectants or by steam treatment. No special equipment is required, but routine safety training is. And that is a BSL-1. All right, so the next up is Biosafety Level 2, or BSL-2. Now, this BSL-2 has a lab that contains work with agents associated with human disease, in other words, pathogenic or infectious organisms posing a moderate hazard. For example, working with like HIV or encephalitis. Since working with these and their potential to cause human disease, Safety measures must be taken to prevent injuries by getting stuck with a used needle, cuts, and other breaches of the skin, injection, and mucous membrane exposures. So at this level is when you start to see the biohazard signs on rooms. 
Now, with the same safety guidelines as level one, level two adds protective clothing, the biohazard sign, and the use of a BSC, which is a biosafety cabinet. And, of course, they have an eyewash station. And side note, if you don't know what a BSC is, not a problem. I'll explain it to you real quick. So it's pretty much a primary containment device that is used when dealing with hazardous materials. And it has a directional airflow that protects the users from getting contaminated or this hazardous material on them. And it is especially useful when someone's dealing with like aerosols or liquids that could like splash back and burn them to death or, you know, put a hole right through their skull or, you know, something like that. So that's what a BSC is. Nice. All right, so that is what a BSL-2 is. Now let's talk about biosafety level 3, a.k.a. BSL-3. Now this BSL-3 has a lab that is appropriate for work involving microbes, which can cause serious and potentially lethal disease via inhalation as well as transmissions like BSL-2 stated. Example of a few of these that are contained in a BSL-3 would be yellow fever, St. Louis encephalitis, and the West Nile virus. Ooh. So any work that is done inside of a BSL-3 must be strictly controlled, and it must be registered with all appropriate government agencies. The protective gear that is used for this level are usually solid front wraparound gowns, scrub suits or coveralls, made from materials like Tyvex, and, you know, uh, if necessary, respirators are used as well. Now, this facility also has a self-closing double-door access that is separated from general building corridors with directional airflow in which clean air is drawn into the lab with no recirculation. So they got that shit locked down. And also, uh, we are going to provide a picture of someone dressed up in the correct PPE and using a BSC, which is the biosafety cabinet. You know, I always wondered what those were called. I saw them at the nuke plants, but never knew what they were called. Yeah, a lot of the chemistry departments use those for when they, you know, mess around with like RCS and stuff like that. So, deconning those were a pain. Yeah, I bet. All right, so tell us about this next one. Now, for the last one, we're going to talk about the Biosafety Level 4, a.k.a. BSL-4. Now, these facilities are extremely dangerous and pose a high risk of life-threatening disease. What these facilities contain could be anywhere from the Ebola virus to any agent with unknown risks of transmission. So pretty much the worst of the worst. Now, of course, these facilities provide maximum protection and containment, along with the same requirements as all of the other safety levels as well, the 1, 2, and 3. Now, another thing that the BSL-4 labs have is that they're usually in separate buildings or they're in a totally isolated zone that has dedicated supply and exhaust systems, which use a high-efficiency particulate air filter, a.k.a. HEPA filters, which I'm very familiar with those, and I know you are too, Dan. I hate those things. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so those are the basics for biosafety levels. But that brings us to the next question. How many labs are there in the world 
and how many of them are level 3 and above? Well, if you are counting all of the biolabs in the world, even the level 1s and 2s, it's pretty hard to get a number. However, if you're counting just the level 3s and 4s, that we can actually narrow it down. So in the entire world, there is a total of 1,400 BSL-3 labs. Now the United States alone has around 300 total BSL-3 labs. Now when it comes to the worst ones, the BSL-4s, there are around 59 of those labs that we know of in the entire world. And the United States has 12 of those total. And just a random knowledge nugget, Canada has two BSL-4 labs. So yeah. That's some highly dangerous maple syrup. Anyways. All right. So the 12 total BSL-4 labs that are located in the United States are all spread out. They are located in Georgia, Colorado, Massachusetts, Montana, Virginia, Washington, D.C. There's actually three in Maryland, two in Texas, and then one in Kansas. Damn, so they're pretty much everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere across the United States. Pretty much. It's kind of scary to think about. All right. So that is some information regarding biolabs, what they are, where they are located, and all of that good stuff. So now that you have like a pretty good understanding of all that, let's transition into discussing the main reason why we did this episode today. Ukraine's biolabs. So Dan, can you start that off for us? Absolutely. So in case you have been living under a rock for the past few weeks and haven't heard about it, well, Russia invaded Ukraine. And this happened exactly one month ago, on February 24th, 2022. But why did Russia invade Ukraine? Before we explain that, we first need to go to Aaron's history class, because history plays a part in this explanation. All right. So everybody sit your ass down. Welcome to Aaron's history class. Okay, Dan? Front and center. I like that. Okay. So, we're going to start back in the Middle Ages, people, okay? The land that Russia is in right now, well, that was ruled by the Golden Horde, a.k.a. the Mongols. Now, the Rus people, a.k.a. Russians, they came along, and they were able to, you know, have some beef with the Golden Horde, and they actually whooped them down. They overthrew them, you know, the Mongols. They threw them out of the country. Now, for the next hundreds of years, Ukraine was Russia. Like, there was no difference between the two lands. All right? So I need you to fast forward to the year 1914. World War I came along. Now, only three years after that, Russia erupted into this super complicated civil war. Now, during this time, Ukraine revolted because they wanted to be independent. However, the Soviets came in and they were like, uh-uh-uh, uh-uh-uh, and they beat them down. Now, even though the Soviets spanked that Ukrainian ass for acting up, they bent them over and spanked their ass, spanked their little ass. Oh. The Soviets kind of felt bad. So they ended up giving them a republic. However, the republic was a part of the Soviet Union. Now, during Ukraine's time under the Soviet Union, Crimea which is a very little small island, 
on the bottom right side of Ukraine. Well, that island was transferred to Russia. And this island, Crimea, to keep it short, is uh, important because military-wise, it holds a nice navy base in the Black Sea, and it can easily be used. So everybody wants a piece of that sweet Crimea ass, okay? But Ukraine gave it over to Russia. All right. Fast forward a couple decades later, and the Soviet Union collapses, okay? And guess what? Guess what happens right after that? Ukraine, they're independent. They're an independent country. They finally got their freedom, okay? So at this point, Ukraine started to lean towards Father Russia in foreign and domestic policies. And the Ukrainian government was pretty much pro-Russia. It was like, hey, they're our next-door neighbor, they're our big brother or father, whichever way you want to look at it, and they kind of like followed their ways. However, in November of 2013, the president at the time in Ukraine ended up making a decision not to sign a free trade agreement with the European Union. And instead, he chose to grow closer with Russia. Now, some people in Ukraine got very pissed at this. And for the next few months, there was an assload of protests that happened all over Ukraine. Shit got crazy over there, okay? All right, following that, the Ukrainian government was replaced with a more pro-Western friendly government. Now, all the officials were more friendly towards the United States and less friendly towards the Russians. And those officials elected in Ukraine, they were all for America and the EU instead of Russia, okay? So when this happened, Vladimir Putin, who is the current president of Russia, well, he started to state his concerns about Ukraine joining NATO. Because, hey, Ukraine is now controlled by a bunch of government officials who like America and who like the EU, so it only makes sense for them to join NATO. Which, if you don't know what NATO is, Dan, why don't you tell us what NATO is? Well, it's the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. Basically, a whole bunch of countries signed up together so that if World War III started, they would know who they were fighting with. It's a gang of countries all over the world joining together. 100%. All it is is just a big gang of countries, right, that said, hey, you want to join our gang? And the other country's like, well, fuck yeah, I do. You got my back, I got your back. Pretty much, right? Now, it's important to note that before the Soviet Union collapsed and pretty much turned into Russia, they had a thing called the Iron Wall and the Warsaw Pact, which is pretty similar to what NATO is, and it protected the Soviet Union from the West, okay? However, after the Soviet Union collapsed, that Warsaw Pact pretty much dissolved, but NATO, it didn't. Now you need to fast forward to today. It's been two decades since the collapse of the Soviet Union, and NATO has kept spreading east, slowly making its way closer and closer to Russia. And there it is. That's Aaron's history class of Russia and Ukraine in a nutshell. All right. Thank you, Aaron, for that excellent history class. You're welcome. I aspire to be a teacher one day. Teach me, senpai. So, now that we know about Russia and Ukraine and its history, along with NATO, 
Now we could talk about why Russia invaded Ukraine, which is sort of complicated because a lot of people are saying different things. Yeah. For example, the mainstream media has stated as to why Russia invaded Ukraine was because Putin wanted to overrun Ukraine, wanted to get rid of its government, which in turn would make it so that the country wouldn't want to join NATO anymore. However, Putin, on the other hand, actually did a televised address where he told the world as to why he invaded Ukraine. And it wasn't just because of NATO. There were multiple other reasons. So this actual televised address that Putin gave was pretty long. But if you search it on YouTube, they only show about a minute of it. However, like I said, it was way, way longer than that. Now, we do have a transcript of what Putin said, and we don't have time to go over the entire thing. However, if you do want to read it, then you go to the Patreon page, and we will have it linked there for you to go and read. Yeah, like the whole speech, I think video-wise, it was 12 minutes long. Dang. Um, pages, I think it was like 10 or 11 pages. I read the whole thing. I wanted to read the whole thing on here, but it's literally too dry, and I think it'd get too boring. So if you want to, you can go read it. But to pretty much sum up Putin's announcement, uh, what he said was that NATO was slowly expanding east, you know, like we've already said, and that Russia has requested them to stop for some time now, and NATO pretty much has ignored him. Putin also stated that there is a genocide happening to millions of people who live in certain parts of Ukraine. That this genocide is being conducted by the forces who staged the coup in Ukraine in 2014 and took over. That these forces are also neo-Nazis and that because of all of these circumstances that he will seek to demilitarize and denazify Ukraine as well as bring to trial those who perpetrated numerous crimes against its civilians. So for the most part, that was the speech that Putin gave, in a nutshell. And like we stated, we will have a link to the entire transcript of his entire speech, if anyone wants to go read it. So that's the reason why Russia invaded Ukraine, according to Putin, okay? Now, why is this important to our topic on Ukrainian biolabs? Well, this is where our topic gets pretty interesting because we're going to go over a timeline of this invasion and when the Ukrainian biolabs were actually brought up and what happened afterwards. So, Dan, start it off. So, once the invasion started, Russia launched numerous missile attacks on various military installations and then they started their ground invasion. A few days after that, Lieutenant General Igor Kirilov who is over Russia's radiological, chemical, and biological defense force, well, he held a news briefing. At this news briefing, he made some pretty crazy claims. The Russian general claimed that the United States has covered Ukraine with as many as 30 biological laboratories, and that since their invasion has started, that Ukrainian authorities are urgently destroying any pathogens at their laboratories that are linked to the United States Department of Defense. He also stated that they have obtained certain documents that prove this. These documents show that the Ukrainian laboratories 
had been working with dangerous infections such as anthrax and the plague and that there was an excessive quantity of these biological agents present at these labs. For example, one such laboratory in the western Ukrainian city of Lviv had destroyed as many as 320 containers with pathogens causing the plague, swamp fever, and Malta fever, among many others. This quantity of biological agents present at these labs suggests that all the work being done in them have been part of some military biological programs and that Ukraine and the United States have been in violation of the Biological Weapons Convention. So that is what the General of Russia announced. Now, real quick, a little knowledge nugget for you. But if you don't know what the Biological Weapons Convention is, well, in the 1970s, a bunch of countries got together and they signed a treaty that effectively bans biological and toxin weapons by prohibiting their development, production, acquisition, transfer, stockpiling, and use of them. So that Russian general was saying that Ukraine and the United States were in violation of that treaty. All right. So the very next day after word of the United States developing and messing around with viruses and shit, China made an announcement. Zhao Lijian, who is China's foreign minister, well, he stated that according to China's information, that the laboratories in Ukraine are just the tip of an iceberg and that the U.S. Department of Defense controls 336 biological laboratories in 30 different countries around the world. And it is being done under the pretext of cooperating to reduce biosecurity risks and strengthening global public health. So what China said is pretty much, yeah, hey, uh, the United States says that they're doing it. Eh, never mind. You know what, China? You stay the fuck over there with your organ harvesting shit. Yeah, just know your fucking place, China. God damn. If you haven't listened to the regular episode today, go take a listen to it. It's about a black market organ harvesting, and China is notorious for it. Pretty messed up stuff. Oh, yeah. All right, so following that, uh, after China made that announcement, uh, the very next day, Ned Price, who is the United States Department spokesperson, stated, and I quote, The United States does not own or operate any chemical or biological laboratories in Ukraine. It is in full compliance with its obligations under the Chemical Weapons Convention and Biological Weapons Convention, and it does not develop or possess such weapons anywhere. Now, following that, almost every media outlet in America started to state that biolabs in Ukraine was a baseless conspiracy theory and that it was Russian propaganda. Then many Russian news sources such as RT and Sputnik were silenced in Europe and the United States. Now, around that same time that was happening, uh, there was a United States hearing about Russia invading Ukraine. Now, State Senator Marco Rubio asked State Department Secretary Victoria Nuland if Ukraine has chemical or biological weapons. And her answer was very interesting, to say the least, because it completely contradicts what the spokesperson had said. So we have a short clip of that, and we're going to listen to it right now. I only have a minute left. Let me ask you... Um 
Does Ukraine have chemical or biological weapons? Uh, Ukraine has uh, biological research facilities, which, in fact, we are now quite concerned Russian troops, Russian forces may be seeking to uh, gain control of. So we are working with the Ukrainians on how they can prevent any of those research materials from falling into the hands of uh, Russian forces should they approach. I'm sure you're aware that the Russian propaganda groups are already putting out there all kinds of information about how they've uncovered a plot by the Ukrainians to release biological weapons in the country and with NATO's coordination. If there's a biological or chemical weapon incident or, uh, or attack inside of Ukraine, is there any doubt in your mind that 100 percent it would be the Russians that would be behind it? There is no doubt in my mind, Senator, and it is classic Russian uh, technique to blame on the other guy what they're planning to do themselves. All right, so right there, she stated that Ukraine does have chemical and biological laboratories and that they were afraid that Russians may get a hold of it and what they would might do with some of the stuff that's inside of it. So there you go. That right there. Did you see uh, her hands? No. Messing with that pen so much? Dude, she was super nervous saying all that. But I can tell you this. Whoever's the audio guy for that, those hearings, get the people to stick their mouth up to the microphone. They're like 10 feet away from it. Damn. They're like all the way back here. Yeah. God damn, nobody wants to hear somebody talk about shit way out back here, you know? Fucker sounds like shit. But when you come up real close, man, that shit sounds good. All right, anyways, continuing on. So following that, United States White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki made a Twitter post that said, we should all be on the lookout for Russia to possibly use chemical or biological weapons in Ukraine or to create a false flag operation using them. Yep, so not only did that secretary, uh, the State Department Secretary Victoria state that, but also the White House press secretary stated that. All right. So the very next day, Washington held some Senate hearings where heads of the United States intelligence agencies rejected allegations of bioweapons research and development taking place in Ukraine. For an example, the director of national intelligence, Avriel Haynes, told the Senate Intelligence Committee that Ukraine, and I quote, operates a little over a dozen and admitted that the United States has provided assistance to these facilities. However, this quote-unquote assistance came only in the context of biosafety, she said. And she also stated that it was something that we had done, as in the United States, with a variety of different countries that they pretty much go inside there and they say, hey, we're just going to help you out with biosafety. That's all they're going to do. So, yeah. Haynes went on to say, we do not assess that Ukraine is pursuing either biological weapons or nuclear weapons, and statements like that are consistent with longstanding Russian efforts to accuse the United States of sponsoring bioweapons and is a classic move by the Russians. Following that, the CIA director and former U.S. ambassador to Moscow, William Burns, stated that Russia is one who possesses biological and chemical weapons, 
and that they may conduct a false flag operation with these bio or chemical weapons they have. It's like everybody pointing. No, you. No, you. No, you're the one. No, you're the one. You did it. No, you did it. No, you did it. Who broke the vase? Who broke the vase? He did. I actually broke a vase when I was mm, about like nine years old, I want to say, or ten. How'd you do it? All right, before we get into that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. All right, welcome back. Who broke the vase? Who broke the vase? He did. I actually broke a vase when I was mm, about like nine years old, I want to say, or ten. How'd you do it? Me and my brother were uh, playing football in the house. Ah. And he, I scored a touchdown, and he put his hands up, and I decided to kick a field goal, but it was actually like a punt. And I punted and directly hit the vase, shattered it. Nice. I had to go tell my dad that I did that, and. I walked in the um, the garage, and he was working out, and he was all pissed. So, God damn it, Aaron. We'll whoop your ass. So I didn't break a vase. I broke a window. Oh. Who knew those little rubber balls out of the 25 cents machine can uh, make a hole in the window? Damn. You must have yeeted that thing. Dude, I yeeted that thing down the hallway, and my room's at the very end, and the door was open, and right there is the window. <laughs> I just yeeted it down the hallway, and... All I heard was a ching. Damn. I'm going to get you to try out to be a pitcher. Okay. All right. I probably don't have accuracy, but okay. <laughs> Doesn't matter. All right. Um, so after that, the very next day, uh, Russia called for a UN Security Council meeting to discuss these United States-backed biological weapon programs that they had discovered in Ukraine, supposedly. Okay. Now, Russia again claimed that the United States and NATO allies were running military biological programs in Ukraine and that the United States Pentagon's Defense Threat Reduction Agency is, and I quote, financing and conducting this military biological research inside of Ukraine. Russia also stated that this research had been carried out at laboratories in Kiev and Odessa to study the possibility of spreading particularly dangerous infections through migrating birds. So they like leaked out a little bit of what they had, you know. Russia pretty much said, hey, we saw that meeting that all these intelligence agencies in the United States claim that we're the ones doing it. However, hey, we want to call a U.N. Security Council meeting 
to discuss all the shit we have, and this is just a taste of what we have about them. They have two places in Kiev and Odessa, and they're studying uh, to give diseases and infections to birds that migrate. That's just a little taste. Damn. Now, the next day, United States officials were questioned about this, and all of them claimed that it was pure Russian propaganda and misinformation, and that these documents did not exist. However, only a short time after that, Lieutenant General Igor Kirilov held another news conference. At this conference, General Igor stated that the journalists and experts in the West doubting their accuracy that the documents he was in possession of has the signatures of real officials and are certified by the seals of organizations. Yeah, this is where it gets pretty crazy. So General Igor also stated that one document dated March 6th, 2015, confirms the direct participation of the Pentagon in the financing of military biological projects in Ukraine. The United States officially funded these projects through the Ukrainian Ministry of Health, according to the Agreement on Joint Biological Activities. However, the evidence showed that the real recipients of some $32 million in funds were actually the Ukrainian Defense Ministry laboratories in Kiev, Odessa, and Lviv, and Kharkov. And by the way, I'm sorry if I pronounced some Ukrainian cities wrong, okay? I don't have that native-speaking tongue. We can't roll our R's. <laughs> the journal went on to state that these facilities were chosen by the U.S. Department of Defense's Threat Reduction Administration, a.k.a. DTRA, and the contractor Black & Veatch to carry out the UP-8 project aimed at studying the pathogens of Crimea-Congo hemorrhagic fever and other varying viruses. From our point of view, the interest of U.S. military biologists is due to the fact that these pathogens have natural foci both in Ukraine and in Russia, and their use can be disguised as natural disease outbreaks. According to the evidence, the labs isolated three bacterial pathogens and six families of viruses including coronaviruses, all of which were drug-resistant and spread rapidly from animals to humans. A number of documents confirmed the samples taken in Ukraine to other countries such as Georgia, Germany, and the UK. The general then showed official documents confirming the transfer of 5,000 samples of blood serum taken from Ukrainian citizens to the Richard Luger Center in Georgia, not the state in the United States, Georgia's the country, okay? Which this center in Georgia is backed by the United States Pentagon. Before we get into that, we're going to take a break. It's our last one, so don't go nowhere. All right, welcome back. Which this center in Georgia is backed by the United States Pentagon. Another document showed that 773 biological assays were transferred to the United Kingdom, while an agreement was signed for the transfer of unlimited quantities of infectious materials to the Friedrich Lofier Institute, which is Germany's leading center for animal diseases. Following that, the general then showed documents from what was called Project P781, which was said to be a study conducted at these labs that was a way of transmitting diseases to humans through bats. Oh. 
The study was carried out by labs in Georgia, but Ukraine received most of the $1.6 million grant for this project. The general went on to say that this research in this area had been carried out since 2009. Then, after dropping all of those knowledge nuggets, the general decided to toss some names out. He stated that one of the key people involved in this was the head of the DTRA office at the United States Embassy in Kiev, and it was a woman named Joanna Wintrall. And then he looked at journalists and said, maybe she is worth talking to. <laughs> Name drop. Oh, uh, yeah. Now, before we finish what the general said, we just want to hit you with a quick knowledge nugget. So this Wintroff lady left Kiev in August of 2020. Now, something that is odd is that in an interview that she did before she left, she had stated that no United States scientists worked in Ukrainian biolabs and accused Russia of spreading false information. We just thought that was a good knowledge nugget. Yeah. Yeah. In the August of 2020, she was saying that. It's like, what? Did she, uh... Did she time travel or something? Must have. Yeah. But, yeah, let's hop back to what the general was saying. All right, so following that name drop, General Igor stated that in 2021, the Kharkov Institute of Veterinarian Medicine in Ukraine was studying wild birds as transmission vectors and actually assessing conditions under which the spread could cause economic damage and food insecurity. The general then stated that they had acquired evidence that showed the institute in Ukraine had collected strains of avian flu that was capable of jumping species. He then went on to say that this institute may have been the cause of the 2021 mass outbreaks of the avian flu in Russia and the EU that ended up causing billions in damages and actually called for an investigation into this matter. The general then went on to point out many other coincidences of documents of illegal virus research that was being done in Ukraine that they had come across and connecting them with the dates and outbreaks of certain viruses. The Russian general then brought up the long history of the United States conducting banned biological research in other countries, noting as an example that in 2010, the United States apologized for syphilis experiments in Guatemala. Ew. Yeah, I think we covered that in our human experimentation episode. I think so. All of the stuff that the United States had done. All right. So the general went and said, okay, yeah, you don't think we got any uh, documents to prove all this? He went and <laughs> laid it all out. So the very next day, after that news conference, you know when uh, Russia requested a meeting with the U.N. Security Council over what they had found? Yeah. Well, finally, the U.N. Security Council actually held a meeting to discuss this United States alleged military biological research that was being done in Ukraine, supposedly. Now, China sent some uh, representatives there and Russia had some people there. You know, everybody kind of got together to hear this tea, you know. So China's representative stated in front of the UN Security Council that Russia's revelations of documents pertaining to the U.S.-backed biological laboratories in Ukraine deserves the world's attention. 
and the parties involved in it need to address those concerns. Russia then shared the evidence that it had obtained from the laboratories across Ukraine with the UN Security Council. Russia's representative then made a statement to the Security Council and said that if the dangerous pathogens had gotten out of the labs, the scale of impact, including among the population of European countries, in this case is even difficult to imagine. It is possible that even the coronavirus epidemic could pale in comparison. So after those statements, the UN Security Council looked over the documents, and then after a little short while, the UN Security Council High Representative for Disarmament Affairs, Izumi Nakamusitu, which I'm sure I pronounced his name wrong, uh, he actually came up and made a statement. He said that the UN Security Council has neither the authority nor the ability to verify the data provided by Russia on the alleged U.S. military biological programs in Ukraine. Hmm. And that is it. That is where we are currently at with this situation and the Ukrainian biolabs. However, this story doesn't stop here because we decided to do some digging and we came across some crazy stuff that we are now going to get into with strange facts and findings. So, Aaron, do you want to start it off for us and tell us about our First, strange fact of finding. Absolutely. Okay, so our first strange fact and finding is about the Lugar Center in Georgia, which we're referring to the country, not the state in the United States, okay? Georgia, the country, okay? So in 2018, the Russian government started to claim that this center in Georgia was running a biological weapons lab. Now, one of the projects that this center was working on was called Project Insect Allies, which they would use flying insects to carry modified viruses that would usually harm plants to change the DNA of them to make them more resistant against the weather and other pests as well. Now, this was for when food supply was starting to be affected by some outside force, but, Russian, but the Russian government got a hold of this information and brought up the dual use of using the insects as pretty much a biological weapon, which I can see how they can be used for good and bad, right? Yeah. Both ways here. The U.S. stated that it is not developing biological weapons in the center in Georgia, but that this human and veterinarian public health facility was owned and operated by Georgian National Center for Disease Control and Public Health, not the United States. But the Russian government claimed the documents released by former Georgian State Security Minister Igor Georgadze, pretty sure I said that last name wrong, shows the facility was funded entirely by the U.S. and that the Georgian ownership was a cover-up on paper. So the Russian government did try to blame the United States for some viruses being spread through the part of Russia through insects, such as the African swine flu from Georgia. Since 2007, it has caused massive losses for the Russian farm sector, carrying Crimea-Congo hemorrhagic fever, which is a deadly viral disease. And just to clarify, though, uh, that the Lugar Center is a frequent target of Russian disinformation. Is that true, though? 
they supposedly attack them a lot, saying like y'all are doing this, y'all are doing that, because it is like close to the border. So, oh, yeah, I don't know. At this point, I mean, I don't know who to believe. There's so much shit out here. It's crazy, you know. It is. They're purposely playing each other just to watch this, you know, us be like, oh, what's going on? Anyway. But to keep adding to some interesting stuff for this center in Georgia, we found a couple images of some documents. So 17 kilometers away is the Vaziani military airbase. And this image we have, the first one we have, shows the DOD requirements for contractors under DTRA program that security clearances are only given to those who are U.S. citizens into the center in Georgia. So it pretty much proves that you have to be a U.S. citizen to get and have appropriate security clearance to get into certain parts of this lab. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. So what's this next document? And this next document is an agreement between the government of the United States of America and the government of Georgia on defense cooperation, which... If you look, it is signed by the United States and the government of Georgia as well, which if you read carefully in the middle, it says United States military and civilian personnel shall be accorded privileges and immunities equivalent to those provided to administrative and technical staff of the embassy under the Vienna Convention on Diplomatic Relations concluded on April 18, 1961. Which means that All the U.S. citizens or anybody that's going into the lab and all that stuff, they get in trouble. They have diplomatic immunity. Hmm. It's kind of. Okay. So they get their ass covered. Yeah. All right. So kind of, it's kind of odd. Hmm. Yeah, it is. All right. So let's go on to our next strange fact and finding, which is about the biolab at Fort Detrick. So in 2019, the CDC stripped the base of its license to handle highly restricted, quote-unquote, select agents, which includes Ebola, smallpox, and anthrax. Now, the reason the CDC stripped the base of its license was because of an inspection done by them at, of course, Fort Diedrich Army Lab, and they found multiple problems with new procedures used to decontaminate wastewater. Which, if nobody knows where Fort Detrick is, it's in Maryland. Just an FYI. Not a little knowledge nugget. Now, the CDC inspectors found that new procedures were not sufficient, with both mechanical failures causing leaks and researchers failing to properly follow the rules. They received a cease and desist order to suspend all research which would last several months, which this isn't the first time something like this has happened at Fort Detrick, though. Like in 2009, research at Fort Detrick had been suspended because it had pathogens that were not listed in their inventory. So they had some nasty stuff that they didn't mention in their reports. Hmm. Makes you wonder. Hmm. Like, oh, God, we have Ebola over here, but we don't want to list that. Oh. Yeah. You figured they'd have to you know, make sure that all that shit's up to date, which I guess they don't really care. No. I know all of uh, radioactive sources have to be tracked. Well, certain ones, you know. Yeah. And if you don't have them tracked, it's a big deal. Anyways, um, so Dan, do you want to start this next one off for us? I do. I, I found this to be interesting. Okay. Extraterrestrial. Huh. 
Yeah. So those missions to Mars or other planets where, you know, they are supposedly bringing back samples to Earth. Okay, yeah. Well, like Mars, they have it listed as a Category 5, which means they are stating that this planet is deemed by scientific opinion to be of significant interest to the process of a chemical evolution or the origin of life. With that being stated, they need a facility that can provide the safety level to handle such samples arriving from there. So they're stating that samples arriving from the planet Mars, they have to go into a BSL-5, pretty much? Technically, that's what it sounds like, is that these BSL-4s are not capable, the current ones. Okay, yeah, because, I mean, the BSL-4 facilities actually don't provide the level of cleanliness currently to handle such samples from Mars when they do arrive. Now, the facility that takes these samples must be able to handle and contain unknown biohazards as the sizes of any, like, alien microorganisms are still pretty much unknown, right? Yeah. So they want a filter system to filter all the way down to 10 nanometers, which most viruses are no smaller than 20 nanometers. But the filter system must not let anything bigger escape by any means because it could possibly be catastrophic. You have this rock come from Mars that has this alien reproducing, replicating virus that's 10 nanometers, right? And all of a sudden it starts eating everything and it turns into this black goo and then it starts multiplying bigger and bigger and you got this giant goo coming at you and everybody's like, don't let the goo get you. And all of a sudden the entire earth is covered in this black goo. I mean, that's just one example off the top of my head. Yeah. What was that movie with Keanu Reeves where the thing just started like destroying everything? John Wick? No, he's destroying everything. Matrix? He's like a spokesman for the aliens or something like that. Bill and Ted? No. Damn, what is that movie called? Day the Earth Stood Still? Yeah, that one. Okay. Just going down the list. But yeah, I guess like, I haven't watched that movie fully, but I think the alien thing or whatever, the statue like broke down and started destroying stuff. It was like very small particles. All right, so in regards to like these samples coming from Mars. Have they actually had any arrive yet? No. Oh. Not yet. Okay. NASA is working with the ESA, which is the European Space Agency, on the Mars sample return campaign. These samples should arrive in the early 2030s. So they will need a sample receiving facility to be able to handle the extraterrestrial samples, is what they're calling them. No clear plans have been made about building this facility yet since they are still looking at designs which they think could take 7 to 10 years at minimum. So, the sample receiving facility that they need, like you said, it's, it's going to have to be like a BSL level 5. They're going to make like a new one for it. So, they're saying it could take 7 to 10 years. Samples should arrive in the early 2030s. They better hurry their ass up. Exactly. They're like right on the minimum deadline. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I can see it now. Coronavirus goes away. World War III happens. It finally ends in 2030. And then all of a sudden we get these samples that come back from Mars and it creates an entire other shitstorm. And this is the virus that makes everyone age really quick and die. Yeah, thanks a lot. NASA. Baba Vanga. And NASA. But yeah, I thought that was uh, pretty interesting. I read that, I was just like, what? Okay. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. 
All right, so let's go over our next strange fact and finding, which is over the United States Department of Defense Biological Threat Reduction Program. So this program collaborates with partner countries to counter the threat of outbreaks, which could be accidental, natural, or even deliberate. And they kind of like protect against these world's most dangerous infectious diseases. Now, the BTRP's priorities in Ukraine, which BTRP is the Biological Threat Reduction Program, their priorities in Ukraine are to consolidate and secure pathogens and toxins of security concern to kind of like continue to ensure Ukraine and uh, detect and report any outbreaks caused by these dangerous pathogens before they pose a uh, security or even like a stability threat. Which this information comes from the U.S. Embassy in Ukraine's website, which if you continue to read, the Biological Threat Reduction Program has upgraded many laboratories for the Ministry of Health and the State Food Safety and Consumer Protection Service of Ukraine, helping those labs hit at least biosafety level two. Then in 2019, they actually helped construct two labs which are located in Kiev and Odessa. You know, you know, it's funny that you mentioned the U.S. Embassy in Ukraine's website because we are about to talk about something that is very interesting. It's probably one of the weirdest strange facts and findings on here regarding that website Ooh. and the BTRP. Now, this next strange fact and finding is uh, actually from an independent journalist from the Middle East named Diliana Gaitavaskiafav, and I'm pretty sure I pronounced her last name wrong because it's like 20 letters and extremely long. So I apologize, Diliana. Okay, so for the longest time, Diliana has been investigating biolabs around the world and has uncovered some mind-blowing stuff. She was investigating it way back before the news was even talking about it way back in 2018. And she actually ended up going to the European Parliament when the United States Assistant Secretary of Health was visiting. Now, Diliana grabbed her microphone and ended up confronting the United States Assistant Secretary of Health and stated that the Pentagon was funding biolabs in 25 countries across the world. So we actually have a video of that. It's, it's pretty short because she ends up getting kicked out, but we'll, uh, we'll watch that and, you know, listen to it right now. What is the need of military biolaboratories of the United States in 25 countries across the world? This is a public area. I can, uh, sorry, I can use the elevator. I can use the elevator. Sorry, not this one. This one's full. Why is the Pentagon investing $65 million dollars in gene editing? Can you answer why? Okay. Dude, they were a dick to her. That guy was a dick. Straight up block in the elevator. It wasn't full. Yeah, he actually like pinned her against the friggin' door thing. Yeah. Oh, I can use the elevator. Not this one. Do you own that elevator? No, you don't. Yeah. All right. So following that, of course, Diliana was kicked out of the parliament. And uh, the United States media actually started calling her reporting fake news. Said it had no, you know... That's that's funny coming from the United States media itself. Yeah, calling her <laughs> calling her fake news and saying that none of her shit had credibility and it was all made up and that it was uh, misinformation. Uh. But get this shit. 
because she continued digging. And Dan, tell us what happened a few years later. Now, only a few days after Russia invaded Ukraine, Deliana went on Twitter and unveiled something shocking. The U.S. Embassy government website in Ukraine had just deleted from its website all documents about Pentagon-funded biolaboratories in Ukraine. Deliana was able to provide screenshots of the documents as well as backup copies of them. So these documents not only showed that the Pentagon was funding biolabs in Ukraine, but also the programs were, and I quote, sensitive information, and that the government of Ukraine is prohibited from public disclosure of this sensitive information, and Ukraine is obliged to transfer to the United States Department of Defense dangerous pathogens for biological research. It's like, what? Um, so we do have a copy of all of those files. And I ended up taking all of them and combining them into a PDF file, and I will have it linked for anybody to download it and take a look over it. Very interesting reads. I want to say I read somewhere that the DTRA, the, what is it? No, coded, that wasn't it. Defense Threat Reduction Administration, underneath the Department of Defense's contract, military contract, actually, provides these labs. $2.1 billion in funds. Damn, that's a lot of guala. Yeah, so it's actually under a military contract underneath the Department of Defense. Damn. So what really blew my mind was that the U.S. Embassy government website in Ukraine just decided to delete all of the documents about this stuff, thinking that it wouldn't get captured in the archive or anything. Right. You can easily look it all up. It's straight from a government website. Why would they do that? You can go look at it through the archives, but whatever. Just makes them uh, everything more suspicious. Does. All right, Dan, so tell us about our next strange fact and finding. So our next strange fact and finding is about the locations of certain bombings in Ukraine. Now, like we stated earlier, when Russia started its invasion, they first fired missiles at a certain military installations in Ukraine. But what those military installations were was never explained. So this got some internet sleuths to start digging around, and they came across some interesting facts. They took the areas of where Russia bombed these military installations and placed those spots on a map of Ukraine. They ended up taking the areas of labs in Ukraine where the United States supported, which was stated in the documents that uh, were on the government website that had been deleted and placed those areas on the map of Ukraine as well. Now, the dots of the biolabs and the areas where Russia bombed were pretty much, not pretty much, but they were in the same exact locations. Now, this led a lot of people to start speculating that Russia actually invaded Ukraine to get rid of the biolabs. And there was like a theory floating around that COVID actually started in those biolabs, but we'll talk about that during the theory section. And that uh, Georgia laboratory, in fact. No. Yeah. COVID started in the Georgia laboratory, not in the uh, Ukrainian laboratories? No, they're saying it was uh, the Lugar Center in Georgia. Oh. One of them at least said that. 
All right. So yeah, that uh, those area of bombings, very interesting. You know, and they use those uh, hypersonic or whatever missiles. What is it called, Dan? I think it was a hypersonic or something like that. Is it hypersonic? Yeah, that was going like 25 times the speed of sound. A really fast missile. <laughs> they, they used a really fucking fast missiles, okay? Really fast missiles that nothing could grab. And uh, by the way, Ukraine actually asked Israel for its, um, what do they have over their, their domes? You know, those domes that protect the missiles, protect them from missiles. Forget what it's called. Anyways, they asked Israel for one of those, and Israel's like, no, we don't want to get into that beef. You're good. Mm. Which I don't, I don't really blame them, you know? If you're not in the beef, stay out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's tough, though. Yeah. All right, Dan. Do you want me to tell you about this last one? Tell me about this last strange fact you found. All right. So I started digging around on YouTube and was trying to watch as many documentaries as I could about Ukraine. I just wanted to get a feel of what the country was like and see if there was any like Nazis living there. If there was really some like Nazis there or if Putin made all this shit up. I I wanted to know because honestly, I can't travel there. If I travel there now, they're not going to let me come home. So I started digging around and I found a documentary that was done in September of 2017 and it was done by The Guardian. Okay, this documentary was or is titled Ukraine's Far Right Children's Camp. Now, in this documentary, some reporters for The Guardian go to Ukraine to visit what is a summer camp for children that is run by a, and I quote, far right militia. And this militia is preparing these children to fight on the front line. Now, something worth noting here in the description of this video is that it states, and I quote, The Guardian visited the camp and followed 16-year-old Anton through his experiences. Is this camp really a modern Hitler youth organization? Or is it just trying to prepare young Ukrainians for the tough reality that awaits them? Now, I'll provide a link to that documentary. But Dan, I want you to open it up and I want you to fast forward to about the 49 second mark and tell me when you're at the 49 second mark. I'm there. Now, at the 49 second mark, the Guardian is at this camp where this youth is at and it is about to show you a video shot of some of the instructors and I want you to pay close attention to their tattoos, okay? Okay. All right, tell me when you're ready. Ready. Three, two, one, play. 55 seconds. What does that say? That definitely said white pride. That is white pride on the back of that, what I assume is woman's thighs in real big letters. White pride. Yeah, that says white pride. (laughs) which I saw that and I was like, whoa, this is extreme, you know. Go to 9 minutes and 58 seconds. All right. Tell me what that tattoo is on that guy's elbow. Oh, snap. That's a swastika. That's a swastika. 
So if you go a little forward, like 10, 10 minutes and 12 seconds, the guy's like, nobody has swastikas on us, but <laughs> they have swastikas on their elbow. They got white pride written on them. He says no one has swastikas, and then they pan to a guy's face, and he's just like looking like away, like, oh, shit. Yeah, it, it, I don't know, man. This seems very similar to Hitler Youth. Isn't the, with the arm in front like that, isn't that part of, like, their salute, and then they throw their arm up? The Hitler salute? Yeah. Yeah. They put their hand like that, boop, they put it up to their, kind of like chest, and then they put their uh, palm, or, yeah, like that. Yeah. Dan just did it. You guys, cancel him. Cancel me. <laughs> That's the last strange fact and finding that I wanted to show everybody that I came across, which I thought was very odd. That there's summer camps like that in Ukraine. Hmm. All right. Uh, so let's go on to theories. Dan, do you want to tell us about this first theory? Sure. The first theory is that the biolabs are just doing what they are supposed to do and that they aren't creating biological weapons and that that is just propaganda. U.S. funding is happening for those biolabs, but it's to help battle worldwide diseases, viruses, and that's pretty much it. Just all propaganda. They're not searching up biological weapons. They're not encroaching on borders of other countries, which... Which, they, I mean, they kind of are. They kind of are. You can say that they are encroaching on the borders, but maybe it's just they're getting misinterpreted. Maybe... The countries don't want them doing that on their borders. Yeah. Which I could understand. If I was running a country, I wouldn't want some other country across the friggin' sea to my next door neighbor and studying deadly viruses that have the potential to leak out and kill me and my family. I wouldn't want that. These biolabs are supposed to be spread out so they can, you know, keep ahead of viruses spreading, like, you know, when COVID happened. They were supposed to, like, keep track of how much it was, but... Yeah. I mean, that didn't really work too well. Mm Mm-mm. But then again, though, the fact that it was encroaching on Russia, and it is on the border of Russia, pretty much, so... Yeah. All right. So this next theory is that um, pretty much the U.S. government is hiding the labs and that they do exist. So underneath this pretty much cover of, quote-unquote, we are trying to protect the world from diseases or weapons of mass destruction. The United States government is funding biolabs in other countries and are actually helping them create biological weapons, not only for that country, but for them as well, primarily. And that they don't want to do that research on their own turf. So instead, they go to these other countries, do this research, and say, hey, if we get caught, we can just wipe our hands of it, and we'll pay the country X amount of dollars to keep their mouth shut and to allow us to do this research on their land. That's one theory. If something fucks up, it's not in the United States. No. They don't care about other countries. No. Hate to say it. Yeah. All right, Dan, so what's this next theory? All right. This next one is that there are multiple theories floating around that COVID actually came from a Ukrainian lab. That bird got out and flew to China, or that COVID originated from Ukraine and was taken over to China and spread on purpose to frame them. Now, there was another theory that I saw that a 
Chinese individual actually got the coronavirus in a briefcase somehow, like a, a bat in a briefcase, traveled with it to the wet market and released it as a way to kind of like sabotage China. That was just a theory, but... I mean, the only thing, though, is that, say it did come from a Ukrainian lab that was funded by the United States, and everybody pointed at the Wuhan Institute for the spread of COVID, which that is also a U.S.-funded laboratory, if y'all didn't know that. Yeah, the gain-of-function yeah. research. So, I mean, it's like, why would they do that knowing that, I don't know, just, it's like, trying to blame them, but then again, you're using one of your funded bio labs. Fingers going to come pointing at you sooner or later. I 100% believe that our downfall as humanity is not going to be from a nuclear war. I believe it's going to be one of these deadly viruses that the military, I'm not stating that the United States military, but any military in general that's researching this illegally is creating these deadly viruses, and one of them somehow leaks out or an employee goes crazy and takes it out with them. And that deadly disease has no cure and it pretty much wipes out everybody. Resident Evil style. Yeah. Now, there's another theory that Russia is actually making all of this up, all of these biolabs, as sort of a way for the United States to concentrate on that while they are continuing their invasion in Ukraine. And the main reason, like we stated, was for them to push back NATO. Like they take over Ukraine, they replace it with a more pro-Russian government, and that pro-Russian government is more easily controllable by Putin and doesn't allow Ukraine to be influenced by the West, whether it's the EU or the United States. That's one of the theories. And that all of these documents and everything that the General Igor showed, they were all made up, which documents can easily be made up, right? Yeah, signatures can be forged and all that. Mm-hmm. Which, I don't know, man. It's hard to really pick a side here in what is really going on. And I know this is kind of like a hot topic and it's very sensitive. And that's why we kind of made that uh, statement at the beginning, because we aren't siding with Russia on this. We aren't siding with any country on this. Okay, we just come to you and we present these uh, findings that we have and we let you come to your own conclusion. Okay, you do your own research, you figure it out. And then make your own decisions, okay? So don't say that we're, hey, you're pro-Russian. I'm not pro-anybody, okay? The only thing I'm pro is I'm pro for the people, okay? No government should be able to tell me what I can and cannot do. I'm my own free person. If I want to go out and smoke a joint and fish on a boat, right, and I want to do it butt-ass naked, Ain't nobody got the right to tell me what I can and cannot do unless it harms somebody else, okay? If it harms somebody else seeing me doing that, I should paddle my boat elsewhere. 
where I'm secluded in like a little valley area where I'm fishing, butt fucking naked, suntan in my butthole, smoking a J, enjoying life, being one with nature, okay? Nobody has the right to tell me that I can do that, and nobody has the right to uh, say what I can or cannot do with my consciousness. If I want to experiment with dimethyltryptamine, DMT, if I want to experiment with ayahuasca, with whatever, I should be able to do that. That's my own consciousness. No government has the right over that. Anyway, end of Aaron's rant. From shiny butthole to tan buttholes. I like it. Yep. All right, Dan, so what's your whole thoughts on all this? Do you think that Russia is just spreading misinformation? Do you think the United States really has biolabs? You think uh, Ukraine is just covering it up? What do you think? I mean, honestly, I think it's a mixture of all of it. Russia is known for throwing out shit like that. But then again, I mean, there is some evidence that at least the government, United, United States government, is funding some of these biolabs and saying that, you know, we don't have a hand in them. Like, we have already know that's false. So you can't be, like, hiding the stuff when we already know that it's there. Now, are they creating biological weapons? I hope to God they're not. You know, that'd be some crazy stuff to try to start doing that. Then the next thing you know, now we're in a biological chemical warfare. Then it goes into nukes. I think it's a mixture of all of it. Yeah, that would suck. Yeah. I did hear another theory that I forgot about until just now, that the Ukrainian president... Zelensky? Yeah, Zelensky. Him and uh, Putin are actually on civil ground, right? That they came together months ago and planned this out. And when the invasion happened, he actually was secretly taken away and uh, moved to an underground base in Russia or wherever. And that this whole idea of war or I guess say theater of war is done as a way for Ukraine to, I don't know, receive aid or something. I don't know. You know, I have heard that theory that Ukraine's just doing it as a show. I am confused as to why the Russian military would use old, 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 old tanks and stuff instead of sending out their new stuff if they really wanted to take it over. Yeah. And I heard a rumor that they sent all the old shit first and they're waiting to use the new stuff. Yeah, they took all the old stuff out of the museums and stuff, got them working again, and sent them into Ukraine, which, honestly, find that to be kind of weird, because then you're sending your own soldiers, which, from what it sounds like, Putin doesn't care about his soldiers. No, he didn't even tell them that the invasion was happening. He said it was like a training exercise. So, yeah. I mean, there's all these videos, short videos and stuff out there about Russian soldiers asking for gas and stuff, and everyone's telling them to go fuck themselves. And the Russian soldier's like, let's not go into politics. I mean, you're invading a country. Why wouldn't you go into politics about it? It's so weird. Yeah, my thing is, I don't think there should be any wars, right? We're all human beings. These governments are great at dividing the people and making it so that one nationality seems not human so that you're able to do these heinous things to them that you would never imagine you could do to another human. Yeah. When in reality, you're all just fighting a war for banks, pretty much, and governments, and these officials sitting in these golden palaces that don't give a shit about you or your family. You only have one life to live. Don't live it at warring with your neighbor. Live it enjoying your life, making memories, and growing more wise. And that is the end of Aaron's class. Boom. 
But there's a few things I can say is that, yes, we cannot deny that uh, America is involved in some sort of biolabs situated in diverse regions of Ukraine, right? And when they're asked about them, every single politician in, in the United States will say that these biolabs are for defense purposes only, a.k.a. the Biological Threat Reduction Program, the BTRP, in Ukraine, and that they are just assisting them. What I don't get is that if it's just for defense, why are we studying the deadliest pathogens in the world on the border of Russia? That's just like provoking war, right? Saying, hey, look what we're doing. It's not really for just defense. They even, what, is it the BTRP or the DTRA? One of their uh, slogans or sayings is that, you know, it's for defense, but also like countermeasures to pretty much combat it. Yeah. This whole thing is weird. I hate it. But we wanted to let you guys and girls and aliens and uh, Bigfoots all know what was going on in the world, okay? I know we don't touch politics, but we just had to touch this one just a little bit, okay? It's just a little bit political. A little bit. We just hit you with the facts with it, okay? All right, anything else you want to add to today's episode before we go into free talk? I'm pro Danielson, okay? Facts are laid out there. Hell yeah, I'm pro alien. I give a shit about the alien race, okay? I'm pro whatever freaking country they're with. He's with whatever alien country that has the biggest probe. All right. So that's the end of the episode today. Now we are going to get into free talk. If you like this episode, we have over 140 more Patreon-exclusive episodes that you can get access to for just $5. You can head to our website, click the Patreon link, and just for $5, you get access to all those extra episodes. So check that out. If you want to, no pressure, 